Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Listen to every MLB game live. The deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is high. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. Watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at-bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field. It's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at-bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Let's get back to more Mark Crody on Sports Radio 670 The Score. You know, I walked off a little nervous because I left some runners on base and some traffic and stuff. But, I mean, that's a very gratifying moment. Um, you know, fans are into it here every game. Packed house, Cubs, Cardinals. Doesn't get much better than that. So, uh, that was really, really cool. Um, hopefully, there's a lot more of that to come. Hey, man, I agree with that. And Jamison Tyone has, he was brilliant in the Yankees game. Very good against the Cardinals. Just one dud, really, since the the All-Star break. And that's kind of what I expected. I mean, you go through his numbers. I mean, this is not a superstar pitcher, but this has been a good, solid starter who has been pretty consistent throughout his career. So I I am okay with calling what he has had done up to the All-Star break as an outlier for his career. And I think it was on – I was filling in with David Haw, and he was definitely one of my guys. We were doing the exercise of – Cubs and Sox players that are going to have turnarounds in the second half of the year. And, you know, Tyon's an easy guy to zero in on just because of what he has done throughout his career. I actually think that Jamison Tyone is, what's his deal? Three year, four years? What is it against here? Four year deal, yep. Four year deal for, I actually think that he's going to end up being a pretty good Chicago Cub. I'm just going to make that prediction right now that I think he's going to have a really good year next year. Sort of like what we were talking about with some, you know, John Lester, you know, slow start with the Cubs. He got his act together much more quickly. You Darvish, as we talked about, incredibly slow start to the point where we were like, wow, man, we should have traded or signed Arietta because look at what Arietta's doing in Philadelphia. Craig Kimbrell, a god awful start to his Cubs career. Different position. I get it, end of the bullpen, but it happens. It does happen where we see guys with good track records fail early, especially in a new environment, and it's easy for us to take for granted how, you know, playing what it's like to play for the Cubs and, you know, it's everybody loves Wrigley Field and but it's a pressure cooker. It's a there is an expectation. There's an expectation from the media and you know, every every day that people go out to Wrigley Field, they are expecting the Chicago Cubs to win and they are constantly engaged in the game. We're taking your calls right now. Um at 312-644-6767 in regards to the Cubs. And do you think at this point they should at least wipe out the plan to be sellers and potentially be buyers just because they're 48 and 51 and six and a half games out and took three out of four from the St. Louis Cardinals? And it is fair, too, that th- this texture is right, actually. This texture is very right from the 815. Heyman did not say the Cubs have to be buyers, but just that they can't 
sell yet. And that, that's a good distinction. That's a good distinction to make. But I don't even think that's the case. I don't even think that's the case. At six and a half out, I don't think that we're, we are making conclusions from the Cardinals series. If they happen to sweep the White Sox, then maybe we'll talk. Then maybe give me a call at that point. Maybe we'll talk about it. 312-644-6767. Oh, Terry's giving me a call. Terry's in St. Charles. What's happening, Terry? You're on the score. Hey, Grody. Thank you for taking my call, man. Good to hear you on the radio. Thanks, Terry. Hey, um, I got two points I just wanted to make. First of all, I'm kind of on the on the line here as far as whether there should be buyers or sellers. But if they're going to be, quote-unquote, sellers, then make up your mind who you want to try and keep. Like, for me, I'd rather keep Bellinger, okay? Okay. So I'd keep Bellinger, and then I'd trade Stroman. Now, my daughter and I were looking at some things yesterday in – some uh, I don't know where she found that, but she was looking on news releases, and there's there a list of five different teams that the Cubs were talking about trading Stroman to, and a lot of those guys they're looking at are Double A players. I don't want a Double A guy, but there was one guy, and I think it was with Tampa Bay, and he's a shortstop at Triple A. He had the best statistics, and I thought shortstop he can play third base, which happens to be something the Cubs need. They don't mm-hmm. have a third baseman right now. You are correct. And so that's kind of where I'm at. If you're going to trade, that's fine. But if you're going to want to keep one of these guys, that's the guy you keep, and you go full force ahead to try and sign them. Hmm. Okay. I think, yeah, I, I, I'd i have to look into that prospect and see exactly who you're talking about, but I got you. I hear what you're saying. I'll say this, too. Don't Don't be afraid of double-A guys. I mean – Double A guys is where you know you get some of the best talents in the some minor PCAs system. are in the double A. PCA, PCA. Will he be part of the Cubs' winning core someday? Will he be Manning center field for the Cubs? All of those things to be seen. But as he's saying, keep Belly and trade Marcus Stroman. Be interesting to to see from the three one two. Two weeks ago, you said that Tyone was a bust. I don't think I said Tyone was a bust. Did I say Tyone was a bust? He, I don't remember that. He, he's, it's been bad. I mean, but I do think that he, he, I think he will have been a successful Cubs pitcher, believe it or not, just based on things that we have all seen and guys that have been around here for sure. 312-644-6767 if you want to get in on the, the Cubs talk here right now. One, one other thing to add to the, to the party here. A former Cub has come into the news a little bit, and that is Wilson Contreras. Well, he's been in the news a lot early in the year with St. Louis because of the because basically he's not Yadier Molina and some of the Cardinals pitchers reportedly complaining about him and not a terrific receiver. Signed that five year eighty seven million dollar deal with St. Louis, and then all of a sudden recently there's rumors that the Cardinals might be interested in trading Wilson Contreras. That's like losing, losing suck. I tell you that, and, and that's all I can say. Like what? <laughs> so, Literally signed him less than a year ago. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just a, no matter how bad things have been, are they that bad? Is there more that we don't know? Are, are there problems going on in the in the clubhouse? With him, things that we don't know. It, I mean, that sounds ridiculous to me, and it, it it would really be admitting failure in a big way. Five years, eighty-seven million dollars worth of failure. But this was Bob Nightingale on ESPN Radio in St. Louis, 
saying, hold the phone on that with Wilson Contreras. All right, we will uh, get to that in just a little bit. But basically, morning season. I mean, just the fact he's available, I, I really don't see anybody taking him. I mean, it's a lot of money. I'd be shocked if the uh, if somebody traded for him. I, mean, I, I think you're talking about at least a third, if not half. I mean, I just I think it'd be a ton of money. I can't see him being uh, moved now. You know, during the winter, possible. But you know, like I said, I mean, everybody sees the same team. The Cardinals need catching. And the Cardinals. You know, don't have uh, you know room for him or you know interest or you know obviously they're disappointed. Uh, you know why not try to move him? But that being said, I, I just can't see someone uh, buying the board here. Yeah, I agree. That's Bob Nightingale. Just can't see it. Like, just don't do that. I mean, obviously they, in some form, even if they don't like him now, had vetted him when he came to the Cardinals, they were watching him, they played played him however many times every single year. I'd like to think that the Cardinals had a pretty good handle on what Wilson Contreras was and what he would give them and what he would not give them. Or the Cardinals are really dumb, you know? Like it maybe maybe things really are changing in the Cardinals organization. Because as a lifelong, sometimes fan of the Cubs or observer of the Cubs, reporter for the Cubs, pre- and post-game host for the Chicago Cubs, I think that you look at that situation and there's no way the Cardinals could not have known. And the Cardinals typically, typically for all these years and are a pretty damn good organization, but maybe it truly is changing right now 312-644-6767 is the number get back to your phone calls let's go to where are we going here we're going to john he's on the road what's going on john hi thanks for taking my call yeah john as i get into this i'm nothing more than the average fan i'm not into statistics i just enjoy the sports but i do follow the walks of the game the strikeouts of the game who stole the base i do follow that a lot. So here's my question. And this is not a Cubs Sox question. This is a baseball question. What has happened, and I don't mean it sarcastically, what has happened that a pitcher, almost any pitcher, can't magically go past 100 pitches? 100, 104. He's got, he's, he's, he's got no, no runs, three hits, no walks. He's 100 pitches, he's gone. Why on earth can't they leave these guys hit for that extra inning or so, and then the next day, oh, our bullpen's all used up. We don't have anybody left. Well, of course you don't have anybody left because you're using them all because you don't want the pitchers stay in. <laughs> I hear you, man. I hear you. You know what? It's all it's yeah. It's part of new baseball in this era. The the compartmentalization of the bullpen, the micromanaging of the bullpen now more than ever, and it's not new, but it is definitely more intense than it's ever been, and it is in the name of preserving these incredibly valuable arms. It's also, you know, you could look inside the numbers, the dreaded third time through the lineup. Things start to go haywire, 
in the cases of a lot of starting pitchers around Major League Baseball. Yeah, more more than half the starters in the league see their ERA jump a point and a half when you get past uh, that fifth inning or the third time through the lineup. Right, so they're yeah. not trying to spite you. And I know there's a lot of people who agree with that caller. I mean, it's, it's a little old school, but there is a rhyme to it. And, and believe me, there a lot of the guys that are running organizations or managers of organizations on the field, whatever, they came from a different place as well. But if you pay attention to what's going on the third time through the lineup, hell, maybe the second time through the lineup sometimes, that you got to get these guys out, and it is just smart to go in that direction. And in terms of, like, really protecting arms, like, I'll hear arguments for – like that doesn't help because it just seems like the arm is just so fragile and so much so much unnatural that goes into being a starting pitcher that no matter what you try to do these arms are going to fall off and end up in the Tommy John pile and that's yeah. just the way it is i mean that's i mean if you want to get into the science of it you're not built to throw overhand we're built to throw balls underhand that so. is that is the truth that is absolutely the truth let's go to Phil in the Ville the Wrigleyville hello Phil how you guys doing we're great I just wanted to say, I, I think the Cubs should be sellers, and they should be sellers right now. Who are you kidding? They took three or four from St. Louis. So what? St. <laughs> Louis have trouble with St. Rita JV right now. Come on. That's a good point. I did not add that to the fray earlier, but the St. Louis Cardinals kind of suck. So add that to the pile. And, just, and if you're just if you're just somebody who's watched Cubs baseball all season long, you know there's some talent there. You know there's some goodness there, but you know in your heart of hearts that this is not it yet. That this is not the team that is going to create sustained success for you. This is not the team that's going to win playoff series. This is a team that is a lot better than what they've been in the last couple of years, but this is still it's not it. You're getting closer. You're getting closer to being it, but you're certainly not at the it place as of yet. And another thing, too, like organizationally, I think the Cubs, like I said, with the, with the core players, like I think they're still trying to figure out who their core players are and if there are some guys that they thought were going to be their core players, like, say, a Suzuki, maybe, maybe, they're, maybe they're not sure. Is Ian Happ part of this core? Dansby Swanson is. I think Nico Horner is. But philosophically in the organization, remember the, the, the championship era, the Theo Epstein era at the beginning of it was about power, about offense. And obviously they put together a pretty damn good starting staff too. But offensively, philosophically, let's hit the ball over the wall. Let's get Chris Bryan here, hit the ball over the wall. Let's get Kyle Schwarber, hit the, go ahead, hit the ball over the wall. Uh, Anthony Rizzo hit the ball over the wall. Javier Baez just keeps Jorge Soler. That that was the that was the philosophy. It was a good philosophy. That philosophy ran out. Uh, even on Theo Epstein's watch, every year the the two hour press conference at the end of the season was about we got to get our offense back on. How long can we hold on to this core? Because it's starting the home run hitting philosophy is starting to fail us, and we need to move more towards a contact style of offense, which they moved into. That that was the idea. That's what we heard. We want more guys, you know, let's go back to old school baseball, hitting the line drives, base hits, keep the line moving, all of that kind of stuff. But now 
they have, and I, I was on board for that. I think if you're a Cubs fan, you probably were too, because the Cubs stopped making contact. You know, it, it wasn't. It, it got ugly towards the end of the championship era in terms of the approach by Cubs hitters. So philosophically, okay, yeah, let's get guys who can make contact and you know hit doubles and line drives and all of that. But now here they are in a position. What's what's the biggest thing right now that that when Jed Hoyer speaks and justifiably what he talks about when he is asked about it is power no extra base hits for this team man <laughs> guys who could hit the ball over the wall you know and man I wish it would have been Patrick Wisdom I and I think there's a place for for Patrick Wisdom on the team but you can't say all right he's your your third baseman of the future. I don't even know who's playing first base for the Cubs right now. <laughs> I mean, where's the power players at first and third? And that that is the spot that they are in right now. So maybe you've built some contact and you don't have to abandon that philosophy. But I just think that there's a little bit of, you know, conflict in in the messaging that's going on with the Cubs, and they obviously now need to augment that just just a little bit. Three one two six forty four sixty seven sixty seven is the number. We'll take some more of your calls, your Cubs calls coming up a little bit later on. But coming up next, if you have not heard the Bears news of the night, Cole Komet, Cole Komet, Chase Claypool, Chase Claypool, taken off of the the pup list, taken off the physically unable to perform list. So it looks like he's going to be good to go. Chase Claypool going to be good to go for training camp, which they meet up tomorrow. First practice will be on Wednesday, so that is great news. It's just been a weird 48 hours for Chase Claypool, and we'll bring in Mark Potash next to see if he has any extra notes on exactly what has been going on with Chase Claypool. And then we'll just talk to Potsy about the Bears, and maybe we'll throw him a non-Bears question too because sometimes we like to do it. The, the Grody and Potsy show is getting ready to start out at uh, Hallis Hall, which only he and I hear. We don't put this show on for anybody else because we would be muted really quickly by other reporters. But when we walk out to the fields together, you know, which is like a four-minute walk out there, we, man, we talk about stuff. We'll talk about the Bears next on Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. Let's get back to more Mark Crody on Sports Radio 670 The Score. I'm not really trying to put, you know, all these, like, external pressures, like, oh, you know. People are, like, looking at the stats, looking at my targets, and, like, a lot of people could look at, like, I could look at that and be like, oh, yeah, you know, I wish I had more. I wish I had more targets, but, like, why do that? I don't care what my numbers are. I don't care how many targets I get. I don't care how many yards I get. I just really want to win. Do you ever think about looking forward to starting with this team from the beginning of a season training camp i'm super excited for like it's weird to say but i'm super excited for otas and uh being able to get that full year in because there's a my my whole route tree is different you know it's harder it's a little harder to run the routes you never ran before my conversation with bears wide receiver chase claypool from last november the month in which the Bears acquired the big wide receiver. November 1st was the exact date that they did acquire him for a second-round pick, and that second-round pick turned into Joey Porter Jr. of the Pittsburgh Steelers. I'm Mark Rohde with you here on The Score until 9 o'clock tonight. Chase Claypool yesterday was placed on the physically unable-to-perform list, the pup list by the Chicago Bears, scaring everybody. And then today... He was taken off the physically unable to perform list. So we think that Chase Claypool 
will be practicing when the Bears do have their first official workout and practice on Wednesday. For more on Chase Claypool and the Chicago Bears, we bring in Mark Potash, who covers the Bears for the Chicago Sun-Times. What's up, Potsy, and what gives, man? Yeah, I wish I knew. Um, but, uh, you know, well, first of all, excited about camp. I think that's uh, that's always a good sign when you've been in it as long as I have and, and, and you still, like, are on vacation having a good time and in the back of your head you're thinking, man, I'm looking forward to training camp. Really? Uh, I haven't had that feeling in a while, to tell you I the know truth. You uh, I know you and, have. Uh, and definitely was, was, you know, definitely had that that feeling. It was it's, it's always fun. That's the fun part of our job is that we could be on vacation and we're looking forward to going back to work. So, <laughs> so uh, to have that at first is good. As far as Claypool, um, you know, after seeing him run and talking to Justin Fields about him, you know, I was a little surprised that that came up and was thinking, wow, was there? Did he have something happen when he when 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 he worked out with the with the other guys in Florida? And apparently not. I, I imagine he'll be limited. Uh, I'm sure they'll be careful with him. Um, but it's a big year for him. So uh, he's got to, you know, he's got to, they all have to handle that really precisely, um, you know, to get him, you know, full speed ahead, but yet not overdo it. That's a real tricky thing, especially when I'm assuming it's a hamstring or some kind of, you know, some injury like that, that, that those are always real tricky. So, um so, you know, that, you know, that will be certainly something we'll be watching in that first day of camp. Yeah, and he was going to be a story no matter what. And unfortunately, the story has shifted a little bit to exactly how healthy he is, but it's important. But, but that, you know something, Mark, based yeah. relative to previous first day of camp, pupless guys, holdout guys, injured guys, this is the, the best scenario ever. I mean, you know, going back to Kevin White. So, uh, so in a way, it's Tevin actually Jenkins. Re- relative to Bears' situations. This is actually pretty good. Yeah, yeah. I just uh, tried to get a Tevin Jenkins, but he was the same thing, right? Wasn't he a pup list guy? And then he, he turned was, into uh, a... inj- well, he was injured. He was uh, just uh, on the sideline, injured, and then it turned into. And then uh, a couple weeks later, it was back surgery. Yeah, yeah, back. So yeah. It was just. I, I think he went straight to, to IR. Maybe I yeah. don't know. It's like worst case scenario. It's like it might be okay, but back surgery. What? Yeah. All right, I got to ask you, man. What what you said that that surprised me to hear you say that you are excited about training camp this year. Be a little more specific about that. What what specifically? Why specifically are you excited about Bears training camp twenty twenty three? Well, actually, I had to ask myself that question. I wrote a, a column on that uh, in Saturday's paper about that because. You know, I've been at this a long time, and 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 the, there's been so much disappointment, and the Bears have just been so not good that you do get you can't help but but be cynical and expect the worst. And, and I'm watching OTAs and, and mini camp and stuff like that, and you know, I'm feeling pretty good. I say, hey, this team might be pretty good, and then I'm, I slap myself in the head and I say, why do I fall? For, I fall for this every time. Why am I doing this? <laughs> mm-hmm. So I literally asked myself that question. I looked and I found like. I found like five reasons why I think it's okay to be optimistic about the Bears. Two are real obvious. You know, Justin Fields is just has an opportunity or, or a potential to be more dynamic than any quarterback the Bears have had, including Cutler. Um, uh, and, and you know, his upside. You know, he's got a lot to prove, but he, you know, his upside is really good. That's different to me. That's better than Trubisky. Um, uh, 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 DJ Moore, I think, is just a. Uh, I wouldn't, you know, he's not like, you know, he's not Brandon Marshall, he's not Elshon Jeffrey, but he's very, de- he's, he's, a, he's a much more dependable, grounded guy who I think has staying power and fits exactly what this offense needs, which is somebody who can get open. So I think <laughs> that is. But the other three things were like, um, you know, the teardown is over. I think, I think this, I think they're going to go in this year. 
um, with, without having, you know, a year ago at this time, the Bears still had two guys who they were really counting on, Robert Quinn and Roquan Smith, and they were going to be gone. So they were still in teardown mode at this time last year. Now they're just the opposite. Now they're in full rebuild, and they've got not only that, but they have everybody in place. I mean, I, yeah, I mentioned this before. I've talked about this before. I think it's it's an underrated point, but, you know, like, they're not messing around. I mean, Darnell Wright is their starting right tackle. He yep. may not be great, but he's not going to have to beat out Larry Borum. They're not, gonna, <laughs> they're not going with that charade, okay? Cody Whitehair legitimately could have had to beat out uh, Lucas Patrick for the center. No, nope. he's the starting center. Mm-hmm. Tyreek Stevenson, you know, they could have said, oh, beat out the veteran Vildor to, mm-hmm. to win the job as a rookie. No, that's the guy they want. He's in there. You know, Dexter and Pickens is a little different with them because they're in a the rotation, but they are in the rotation. Oh, you know, so everything. Kyler is Gordon. How about set. Kyler Gordon, Potts? He's saying I don't know if you mentioned him, but Kyler Gordon was a guy who was everywhere in training camp this year. This year, they're like right. you're he's, a slot guy. He's a dedicated slot guy. So I mean, they are just much more. So you look. I was looking back at like the offensive line last year, which you know at this time last year they were signing Michael Schofield and Riley Reeve. Yep. And so those were two guys who they thought were going to be starters. They played on the second day of practice. The Bears had nine offensive linemen with Justin Fields at different times, and including three centers who would not play center. That Sam Mustafer wasn't even at center. So they were so jumbled. Now they're set. I mean, I don't know how good they're going to be. I just think it's an advantage to at least know who your five are. And I think that just gives you a little bit of a running start. So that's a long-winded way of answering your question and saying, why am I, yeah. uh, why am I, why, what is there to be optimistic about? I just think they're in better shape to at least take the next step. I don't know if they will. That's the cynical part of me. And I think a lot of Bears fans. But, um, but I just think they're in better shape now than they were a year ago to at least take the next step. I agree with everything you said, and I, do, I love the optimism. I don't know how many more wins it turns into, but you are correct that there is, there is some – they are sta- a little bit more static this year in terms of what they are doing and what is definite. And, and they damn well better be. I mean, this is a team that lost 10 in a row, and you naming some of those guys, Riley Reef and Michael Schofield, they knew what they were doing last year, and trying to win was not necessarily – something that they were trying to to do last year. I will ask you this because I get I was asked the question earlier today by Parkinson Spiegel. It's a good question, and uh, we're all asking it, and I'll ask you too. Do you think that Ryan Poles still needs to or will bring in somebody who can sack? Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. The quarterback. Well, I don't know. Uh, you know, yeah, I wish I, wish I knew because, the pro- okay, he can sign somebody. But he also seems pretty set on not uh, not getting a short-term answer when he wants only – he's only signed really long-term guys. 
So it's got to be somebody young enough um, uh, who who will who he thinks will be here for the long term. They're not, you know, they, I don't think he feels like he's just one player away. Mm. Um, so I think I've always thought that they will. I just don't think it will be an overwhelming guy. It'll be an underwhelming guy because <laughs> one thing, there's not that many out there. Yeah, right. I, I don't think it'll be a necessarily a difference maker. I mean, uh, even Ngakwe is is uh, you know he's good but not great. Right, I mean, absolutely. You, you absolutely. never know how he's going to fit, and that's just yeah. the thing. You got that's the thing. They're always talking. About, everything's got to be the right scheme fit, you know. Um, so um, so I, I think they are. I think they will address that. They, he sure sounded like he was going to when we talked to him in the off season. Uh, but again, I don't. I just don't think it'll be like um, an automatic, you know, on paper difference maker. Yeah, and I don't know what they might. Ha- or what faith they might still have in somebody, you know, a guy that they drafted last year, Dominic Robinson, still essentially learning that position at the at the NFL level. We know that that he's got all of the physical tools to be a great player in the NFL, but I don't know if they really look at him as a a part of this core. And then Travis Gibson, who is not their guy. Sure feels like last call for Travis Gibson. And honestly, I don't know how many opportunities he's going to get this year. I I see him as, you know, uh, barring injuries, I don't know that he's going to get as many opportunities. Do you? Yeah, I I agree with you there. And that kind of goes back to the previous point about – Last year, we were uh, there was a lot of hope in guys like Travis Gibson, and uh, you know to, to make to make it to you know yeah. to, to make a big jump. Sure. And, and, and you're talking about uh, you know mid round guys, and they're not this year. Uh, it's a little, that's another big difference I think is this year their their upgrades are from people you would expect them to be. But Kyler Gordon should make a big jump this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jaquan Brisker should make a big jump. Braxton Jones, who was a fifth round pick but really played himself into like a second round level guy. These aren't great. These are you're not you're not hoping. This this is not it's not pie in the sky. These are these are things that really uh, you know should happen. Cole Komet, you know, if, you know, uh, another guy who should who should get better. So I realize you were talking about uh, edge rusher, and that's going to be uh, I think problematic for the Bears. But the whole idea about when you're talking about guys like Dominique Robinson mm-hmm. and and uh, and Travis Gibson is. Uh, yeah, maybe there you you you, uh, you have you're, you're hoping you know to kind of strike gold. But in general, the Bears are not. They have they have uh, better talent that they're hoping kind of for growth from within. That I think is ex- is expected. Like when people say, "Oh, they've got a lot of holes to fill." Yeah, they do, but they don't. Sometimes you don't fill those holes all from the outside. Sometimes you sometimes you fill them from within at cornerback and at safety and at off and at left tackle. So. Again, that's another thing to feel. I think that the, the Bears should feel pretty good about. But again, to get back to the edge rusher thing, yeah, they're just. I I, I don't even think they're like expecting to get uh uh for for like a guy like Travis Gibson to go from seven to well, he went to what two or three? I can't remember. The, you know, up to back up to eight or ten. Um, I think they I think they just think their their push up front in the in, in the interior is going in theory is going to be good enough to create. Uh, opportunities for guys on the outside. Yeah. That sounds good, and it did. That's the way it worked at Indy for Eberflus. So you can't say it's like totally pie in the sky or flawed, but uh, that falls into the category of we'll see about that. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, they obviously made some upgrades on the defensive line with Andrew Billings. You hope that you know Justin Jones will. I didn't think he was bad last year. I think that he could actually end up having a pretty good year this year. And then that brings us to. Javon Dexter and Zach Pickens, a couple of Bears draft picks, especially Dexter because he's a second rounder. 
But how much of an impact do you think that those guys can make in your in their rookie years on a defensive line? Well, I'm not. I'll be honest. I really don't know because I think they're both making fairly significant transitions from the college defenses they were in to the Bears. And yep. I think the Bears are trying to kind of uh, retrofit them a little bit. Um, so I, I'll be honest, I'm not expecting a lot. But from everything I've heard, and boy, you just look at Dexter. What a huge guy. Yeah, I know. He just looks like a monster. But, you know, that you know, uh-huh. 26 or 31 other teams uh, you know, had an opportunity to get him, too. So who knows what that means. But, I, but just everything we've heard, both those guys, Pickens and Dexter, um, and even Travis Bell, uh, uh, what, sixth, seventh-round pick. Um, really good things about being able to help, and they should help. I mean, even if they're not – they don't have to be great. They just have to be good to make the Bears better uh, inside. And the Bears need to be better not only with their pass rush, but with their, they got to stop the run. So, I, you know, everything I've heard and seen about Billings uh, says that uh, – and, and Dexter and Pickens says they will at least be a little better – but will they be, you know, much better that it really creates uh, opportunities for their edge rushers? You know, that uh, that I, I don't know. I, I'm not so sure about that. I am with you on that. I mean, I, at the very least, you, you have to look at it and say you can't depend on Javon Dexter to this year make an impact. Eventually, as a second rounder, he's going to have to make an impact. But that's a tricky, complicated issue when you're talking about, as you properly said, offensive or I should say defensive linemen coming from different systems and even the coaches were saying that like they'll just give it a little bit of patience and as you know watching those two guys they were working with the second and third stringers during mini camp and OTAs things can change but that's where things are and I think that's probably the right measured approach I actually want to switch off of the Bears here with you Mark Potash because I want to talk to you about Pat Hughes Pat Hughes the the great play-by-play announcer right here on the score for the Chicago Cubs, inducted into the National Baseball Hall of Fame, the Ford C. Frick Award winner, basically for being a great broadcaster. Where does Pat Hughes rank on your power rankings of Cubs announcers or even just announcers that you have heard in this town? Well, it's interesting uh, because you know when you grow when when you grow up like I did, you know, with like Jack Brickhouse and uh, and even and Harry Carey on the south side, uh, and then again on the north side, you know, it's pretty tough to top that. Um, um, so yeah, with but, but but with those guys, although Harry Carey is a totally as a personality, as a an announcer, as every as, to me, he's just far and above everything. I mean, if you heard him even with the Cardinals, you just it was just guy was just unbelievable. Uh, it just it, it, as a personality enthusiasm, he had the way he could kind of bring you he could bring you into a game uh, just with his own enthusiasm. He's separate, he, but 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 you know, as as a, as an announcer, uh, you know as you know, as somebody who was just just really, I don't know how else you say it. He's just really, really good at what he does. Uh, Pat Hughes is, you know, one of the best and well deserving of uh, being of getting Hall of Fame recognition. And so, yeah, I was very happy for him um, because he's been good without. He didn't have to be Harry Carey. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. He just he was just good. I don't know how else you say yeah, it. He's no, kind of right. A, he's yeah. kind of underrated, understated. I, it's so it's so good that a guy like him. Like Pat was is getting this kind of recognition because I think I don't know maybe a, there was once upon a time where a guy like him would be overlooked and mm-hmm. uh, maybe the Cubs winning the World Series uh, and and the stellar work he did on just in every every one of those broadcasts 
um, maybe that maybe that uh, played a part in it. But he would be a guy who would be overlooked, and he's getting recognition that you know he a, a guy like him might not have gotten. So yeah, really happy for him, and you know glad that you mentioned some uh, a lot of people I know in, in his acceptance speech. So uh, that was that was kind of neat. That had to be a thrill. Oh yeah, no, it was it was very cool. Honestly. I this is gonna sound bad. I expected him to mention me, and the reason that I expected him to mention me is because I know Pat Hughes, and I know how much he appreciates everybody that he has worked with. And I'm not saying I was expected because oh, I'm Mark Grody, and I was the pre and post game host, and I I should be mentioned. It's because I know Pat, and yeah. I know that he's got that kind of gratitude. When you say it couldn't happen to a nicer guy, you mean that like literally for him. <laughs> it could not happen to a exactly. nicer guy than Pat Hughes. No, there's no doubt about it. And what you were saying, too, about him understated and all that, like he's not this overpowering personality. He's got personality. But the thing about Pat, that if you listen to him every day, and even if you, you're not a fan of the Cubs, if you listen to Pat enough, what you realize about him, the real brilliance is not giving the uniform descriptions, not talking about beautiful Wrigley Field and reminiscing and doing trivia and talking and talking about trousers and all the Pat Hughes things. It's because he's technically excellent. It's because he nails everything. It's because he like when there is chaos, as I always say, grace under pressure. When there, in the, we all know that crazy things can happen in baseball with overthrows and this guy, two guys standing on base together, just crazy things happen. And Pat is able to sort it out and technically excellent on a daily basis. Yeah, absolutely. The best thing I could say for for Pat is he makes it look easier than it is. Absolutely. You know, a lot of guys are going to go into broadcasting because they think they can be Pat Hughes, and, and they won't be. That's, yeah. That's how good he is. That's how kind of good, understatedly good he is at what he does. So I'm glad he's getting. Uh, I'm glad. I, you know, I, I'm, I'm sure Cub fans appreciate him and. Yeah, I know I do. So it's, yeah. uh, I think it's. Uh, I think it's. It was just a great event, mm-hmm. a great episode. A- absolutely, the truth. Last thing too is that I just wanted to point out. I think I just learned this about you when we went to that Cubs game. You and me and a few other people from the Bears beat. Finley was there. A guy, Chris Emma. We had a blast. You are legitimately root for both the Cubs and the Sox. You grew up in Chicago. You're one of those those rare people who like you really root for both teams, don't you? Yeah, I never even realized, like, uh, when I was in, like, high school, this was in the 70s, like, that it was a thing to, like, not like the other team. So it was, it was kind of weird. But, I mean, I was born on the south side, uh, and then, you know, and, uh, and and then I moved to the north side. And when even when you grow up on the south side, you still are exposed to, to the Cubs. So, to me, it was just natural to uh, to like both teams and um, – I know there's people always say this argument comes up all the time, and, and uh, you know, how you can't be one or the other. And I, you know, I just, um, I think I'm just living proof that you can be. And like I always say, it's what's in your heart that counts. I mean, I know how I felt when the White Sox won the World mm-hmm. Series. I know how it feels to see them 19 games under 500 right now. Yeah. And by the same token, with the Cubs, uh, um, you know, I, I I know how it felt when they won the World Series. So, and I know how it felt in '69 when they didn't win. So. Um, so yeah, so there's no, I, I get it that people, you know, can't fathom that, but, uh, but yeah, I've always, you know, I've always been, uh, you know, a Cubs, a Cubs and Sox fan. And I always root for the team. Like when they started playing, I always say, I always root for the team that has the better chance to get to the world series. You know, so they say, well, what would you do when the Cubs play the Sox? Well, it's, you know, the team that has the best chance. And it's funny how, like, in all these, uh, the, what, 25 years or whatever they've been doing this, very rarely have both the Cubs and Sox been good. There's always been one team to root for. It just seems like they always seem to take turns being contention with a few exceptions. But um, so, uh, 
Yeah, I guess I'll be. I guess that means I'll be rooting for the Cubs <laughs> this weekend. Yeah, starting uh, tomorrow. Cubs, Cubs yeah. and the White Sox, baby. Here but we go. And uh, one team has a has a has a pretty good chance, uh, has a decent chance, uh, and and the other, uh, no, not so much. Yeah, so falling that, away. That's pretty clear there. Yeah. But yeah, it's been uh, it's, it's, you know I'm a Chicago and through and through. So um, I think it's fair to root for both both teams that represent my city. Yep, I love it. I love it. I will see you tomorrow out at Hallis Hall, Mark. I appreciate your time. Thanks, Mark. I honestly say I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, I know. I know. I want to see if that's – I want to ask you that question four days in the camp, and we'll see if it still stays like that. Yeah, ask me two days in the camp, okay, actually. Okay, okay. You know, I'm 64. <laughs> it's, it, I don't know how long this will last. <laughs> see you, buddy. All right, thanks, Mark. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, Mark Podash. And, yes, tomorrow it begins. Ryan Poles, the general manager of the Chicago Bears, and Matt Eberflus are both scheduled to speak tomorrow morning. At 10.30, I will be out at Hallis Hall and reporting right here on the score. There will be some select players that will speak tomorrow. And then on Wednesday, the first practice of training camp 2024. When we return, I heard Chris Rhodes um, was on with Gabe Ramirez. Was that yesterday on Hit and Run? Yeah. That is correct. Yesterday on Hit and Run, Chris Rhodes was on with Gabe Ramirez, and he had an interesting assessment of the Chicago White Sox, and part of which I agreed and something that he said that I vehemently disagreed with. That is next. I'm Mark Grody. It's Chicago Sports Radio 670, The Score. Let's get back to more Mark Grody on Sports Radio 670, The Score. Farmer at third, the winning run. Two out, 12th inning. That is that. Jeffers walks it off, and the Twins backpedal their way into a sweep. Very happy Twin team, very disappointed Sox team, as they had this one seemingly all the way, only to see it slip away in the ninth. Then chances on both teams late. Eventually, the Twins put it away. White Sox swept three-game series in Minnesota. And so the Sox are now 41 and 60, 19 games under 500. They are a dozen games out of first place. 12, if you don't speak dozen, they are 12 games out of first place right now. The White Sox host the Cubs starting tomorrow. Michael Kopech against Kyle Hendricks for the Chicago Cubs as the Crosstown series has arrived. So you're saying there's a chance for these White Sox, <laughs> no, huh? I guess. No, there's no chance. I, mean, I, I don't think there's a chance for the Cubs. That, and I know there's some rejuvenation. There was a, you hit the refresh button because they took three out of four. It was a hell of a series, too. I mean, it was a fun, tight, emotional at times series, especially the, was it the, the second game, the the under the, the Chris Morrell yeah. under the leg, like the eighth. And ninth innings were something to see, and I, I thought that the Cubs were going to blow it, but they did not, and they they won the series. It, that, it's always good. As Pat Hughes would say, taking three out of four, that never goes out of style, and that's what the Cubs did. But let's talk about the, the White Sox. I was listening to Hit and Run yesterday with my guy Gabe Ramirez being produced by Sean Shady Sears when he's on with Gabe Ramirez. And um, I was you guys had Chris Rose on, who – He's a big-name guy. I mean, Chris Rose, MLB Network, NFL Network, John Boy Media. And Gabe asked him about the 
the White Sox and what the hell has been going on? Well, I don't think this is just a Tim Anderson question. I mean, I, like, I can't wait for the White Sox 30 for 30 in two decades. Because <laughs> I, I, I really am wondering what the hell, what the hell is here. going on. Yeah. Right? I mean, by the way, I, I doubt he would do this. But do you think that Tony La Russa is sitting somewhere laughing? Of course saying, he is. <laughs> of course he is. thought it was me. Y'all thought, and by the way, I was one of those who thought it was him. I'm not going to run from that. But I cannot believe that a team with this much talent has struggled so significantly. This year, there's zero excuse. I mean, you, you guys know I'm from Cleveland. I'm a huge Guardians fan. The fact that the White Sox aren't even sniffing this division is beyond me. I cannot believe it for the, for the life of me. Have they had some injuries? Absolutely. But they have injuries every year. But they still have enough of a pitching staff, right? Lucas has had a really solid year. His last start's stunk. But other than that, he's been really, really solid. Mm-hmm. Lance Lynn, I can't figure out. That what they have to do is they have to have an opener and then just tell him this is innings two through seven. <laughs> Go kick some ass. Yeah, knock it out. Um, right. You know, I mean, Dylan Cease has been up and down this year. Um, remarkable at times. He still walks too many hitters. Kopik. Can't figure out, you know, the other night he was lights out, but then there's other times where it looks like he's the most hittable pitcher ever with nasty stuff. So, like, that pitching staff alone should at least have them at 500. And, but to circle back, we all know that if they trade Tim Anderson in a week, they are selling as low as low can go. As low as low can go. And I just think it's worth them to hang on to him more because I think that they're going to get, I think this team's going to have a total facelift, not only in the next 10 days, but in the off season as well. That's Chris Rose on the score yesterday with Gabe Ramirez on hit and run. I will say for the national guy, like he's pretty in tune with what's been going on with the White Sox. He's right about Tim Anderson. You're not going to get a lot for him at this point. The only issue I had with any of what he said was the the idea that Tony La Russa is vindicated, that Tony La Russa is laughing right now. Like, he might feel that way, but Tony La Russa had a lot to do with sending the White Sox on this path. He may still be directly responsible for what this team is this year, handing that to Pedro Grafal, and then I should have – gone through my notes and gotten all of the exact errors that Tony La Russa made. I mean, you can't just forget about all of that. So the, the only thing that I would say that Rose got wrong is that he should have stuck with his initial instinct. As he said, that he was one of those people who didn't like Tony La Russa being here and was critical of him being here. Yeah, Tony La Russa had a lot to do with what the White Sox are now. I mean, is that really a question? Yeah, it is. And uh, it goes a a lot of different directions. And maybe Rick Hahn is number one on your list for overestimating the talent on this team, this side of Luis Robert and Dylan Cease, you know, that you could put him as number one. But, But Tony La Russa, in this era of White Sox baseball, I'd put top three in terms of setting things on a twisted path that you didn't ha- you didn't have the right manager to manage these young kids 
uh, this young core of players, you didn't have the right manager at the right time. That's a huge factor into why the White Sox, this core, looks like it's about to fail. Looks like it's about to be changed drastically. Of course, we thought that that was going to be the case after last year as well. We got to take a break, but when we come back, I can't wait to talk to good old number 96, Alex Brown, the former Bear, the former Gator, will join us coming up next on Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission.